Peace and blessings, everybody. You're listening to The Good Brother Experience, where it is I, the good brother, the original black man. I am Reek. What you doing? How you doing? How you been? For starters, drink some water. Spring is upon us. Don't be the person that's dehydrated going into the summer because you replace Ciroc with actual water. Do the right thing for your body, for your soul, and your mind. Secondarily, rate, review, and subscribe to my program. The more ratings you give me, and the more comments you give me, the more lit I become. Last but not least, if you would like to email me, email me at goodbrotherexperience at yahoo.com. Once again, it is goodbrotherexperience at yahoo.com. My boy, are are you with us? You, it was good, bro. Man, ain't too much, man. This is the world-renowned comedian. If you haven't seen him on television, you've one hundred percent seen him on social media. How's everything going, brother man? Uh, everything going good, man. I can't complain. I'm just um, I'm just sitting here relaxing. It's been it's been like a a long few like long week of shows, so. Just trying to chill during the daytime. Actually, I got a, got another show tonight out in Brooklyn. So just just relaxing, getting some errands in. You know, comedian at night, dog dead during the day. So yeah, it's it's y'all security guards. You know, what I mean, truck drivers. Like you guys have to utilize like peak energy when everybody is sleeping and i don't even know how y'all niggas even do that type of shit right my sleep schedule is all off i just sleep where i can my sleep schedule is totally totally off but it is definitely better now because you know last time last time we linked up i was um i was working i was working in the schools so at that point, I really wasn't getting any sleep. I used to work in schools as a paraprofessional. So, you know, working at 8 to 4, then I'd get off work, go to the gym. Then it was like just hustling, trying to find any stage time, where now is now that I'm full-time with comedy, it's, it's a little bit better. It's just all about time management. Are you dating any nurses? <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Why not? That's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, used to like back in back in in college. <laughs> See what what I don't understand is if you're gonna date somebody, why not date somebody that understands the lifestyle? And you know how it goes with nurses and RNs and CRAs and all that type of shit. They end up giving pussy to the fucking janitor because all the niggas that they fuck with are either sleep or at work. So with comedian niggas, they can fucking rack up. <laughs> right, have have a nice um. Yeah, while she at work, drive her little um, drive her little Camry around. Oh, you know what's the Ultima? Oh yeah, yeah, that's what it is. The Ultima, the Ultima. Yo, it's funny. I just saw somebody say like, it's some um, it's some good pussy in them Nissan Ultimas. Yo, fam, you know, and, and let me tell you, as somebody who's been single for a little while, you, you, the best pussy you got you got to look for the subtleties. If they have that that covering on the steering wheel. Or their windows are tinted, but it's not the regular tint. It's the tint where it's black on the top and it's like that silvery gray shit on the bottom. Yeah. You you about to get moves performed on you that you've never felt in your life. That and mixed match sock pussy. That's some good pussy right there. Like when the socks don't match. Yeah. Oh, hold on. on Listen, I can go into this vortex with you if you want another indicator of good pussy. And this is and this is very specific for everybody that's listening to me as like background music or background noise. Pay attention. I'm trying to help you. When you go into the bathroom and you go to take a piss and you try to put the toilet seat up, if the toilet seat won't stay up, you're in for an adventure. Damn. Damn, I never peeped that one. You know what I'm saying? Like... A lot of times you try to put the shit up and it's like, oh, don't worry. I have to go get a new toilet seat. What, because, you know, with women, they don't got to ever lift the toilet seat. So if you lift the toilet seat and you got to do the shit where you got to use one hand to leave it up and the other hand to, to aim and fire, you about to be in for some shit. <laughs> that is a fact. You know what I mean, I've done the research on this. That and um, 
Audrey Hepburn posters. If you see the Breakfast and Tiffany's joint, when it's the white woman with the with the uh, long ass gloves holding the fucking seven inch cigarette, you about to have breakfast in the morning, back massage, all kind of shit. Or the Dreamcatcher tattoo. Ooh, this is why they pay you the big bucks, son. <laughs> yeah, that's the one right there. I mean, now before we talk about you know what you was doing before with you being the you said the uh the assistance aide or some shit like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Fucking the last time I saw you, just as far as your career is concerned, is I was watching Game Theory with Bumani Jones and you was one of the street interviews. How did you even get linked up with that? Well, um, how did I get into the um I just happened to randomly meet the director. Well, I think he directed like the the director or the executive producer of the show. He um he he used to produce this um show. He used to produce a stand up show at the Comedy Cellar. So we just happened to cross paths around the Comedy Cellar. Told him I was a comedian, and then um like one of my friends, this other comedian, kind of made the introduction for me, and. From there, he was just like, yeah. He, like they were just looking for, um, they were just looking for more comedians to do it. And you know, I'm a big fan of Bomani, just from ESPN, and seeing a uh, seeing a black man be outspoken and be himself and not hide for the network. So once the opportunity like came across, I was like, yeah, I, this is definitely somebody I want to work with. Like just just because like being in comedy. Being in comedy, you always think um, you got to be funny, or you might not have an opportunity to work in sports. So it's like I love, I love Bomani, and I love sports. So I couldn't pass this opportunity up once it came across. When um when you was on the show, was that the first time you met him? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. So my first time meeting him was once the whole once they told me they gave me the location and everything. They gave me the time, the location where I needed to meet um and this was um the first time I mean well now now they still tested COVID they still tested for COVID too but before it was kind of in the thick of COVID where you had to test a few days earlier now it's kind of like the rapid testing so I was really just hoping COVID didn't fuck it up for me um but then when I got there like my COVID test was negative so when I got there, um, I met him for the first time just right before the scene. Say what's up, say what's up, and then we just got straight to it, straight to the questions. But we were talking for a little bit in between the questions, and he's just like a cool ass guy, man. Super cool. Yeah, those prof- those uppity professional blacks they can go either way. I was just about to ask you that. Yeah, but what I'm what I'm starting to notice is that. When it comes to entertainment, the ones that's really out here getting it are the ones that's cool. So, I, you know, I guess it's kind of like any field. With anybody that's securing themselves, securing themselves, and they don't feel like anybody is a threat, they just willing to help and just, just embrace anybody on else that's going to come up because they remember how it was for them. When they was coming up. Right. So so having a conversation so I did it I I did a man on the street interview with him last year and he was super cool. And then I just did another one about a month ago. I did another one with him about a month ago and he just asked me how everything been, just asked me how my career was. And that was cool to see just because I know he works with so many people. But for him to still remember little details about me telling him I worked in a school, it showed that he really paid attention and really like just cares to hear. It. And even, I mean, even if he don't care to hear, just just to just remember, <laughs> right? Just to remember those details mean a lot. <laughs> yeah, that that's facts. And yo, just side note, you ever had COVID? Um, have I? Yeah, I, I think I had it. I think I had it twice, two or three times, but I never had any symptoms when I had it. Ah, because you're a real nigga, that's yeah. why. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got, um, or if I did have symptoms, I didn't know. I thought I was just out here with a cold. Well, you, th- you thought you just had some shit to figure out. You know, that's um, right. that's what niggas say when something's wrong. Like, yeah, I just got some shit fucking with me. Just, I, I need a few days to bounce back. 
Right, yeah, just a little bit of ginger ale, knock it out. Come on now, and it can't. It gotta be room temperature. You know, there's all these whack ass rules when it comes to being black. Eh? Yo, you that shit was in the fridge, nigga. Nah, that shit needs to be flat to, in order to work. Right, yeah, people. Cause I, I've seen people say that they like ginger ale is not a is not medicine, and the problem is is because niggas is out here drinking it and not laying down afterwards. Yo, it's ginger ale won't activate until you lay down for a little bit. You gotta let it settle in you. Yo, it's the anti-black agenda, bro. I really feel as though I remember um, there was this book and if I'm not mistaken I think it was written by uh, M- Michael his name uh, Eric Eric Michael Dyson Eric okay. yeah. I'm familiar. yeah and I believe he wrote a book by the name of The Tanning of America Okay. and what I what I recognize from that is a lot of people are trying to implement white ideology into black ideology so there can be some type of created uniformity amongst all of us. So it's like if you're a person, I'm, I'm a person, our ideals should change. And I'm sorry, our ideals should be the same. And if they aren't the same, I'm going to market it in a particular way so all of us can view things in a very particular fashion as opposed to saying things that derive from our experience. And that's a long-winded way to say that if you say that ginger ale isn't medicine, then you've lost touch with your ancestors and we're fucking losing recipes. <laughs> We definitely losing recipes out here, man. You can't be out, like you can't be out here letting Umar down. Not at all. And yo, not for nothing, son. That nigga be bringing up great points. He do. He do. He go a little. He he goes a little extreme. And that's. And that's the shit that hurts because when you're watching somebody that's making great points, like if there was a pie chart of what the things that Dr. Umar Johnson says, it's like seventy three percent of it. It's like nah, this nigga is spitting, but it's that other twenty seven. That other twenty seven percent is like so out there and brash. It kind of like overshadows the seventy three percent. It's like, come on, bro, you really had us with you. Cause one, I'm always for anybody that's just on some pro black shit, and he means well every time. He mean like he means well, but then he just takes it too far. It's kind of like it's kind of like the, the the Kevin Samuels thing also. Where Kevin Samuel's whole thing is, you want to see you want to see black people do well, but you just go too far, and it's like that's where you lose his head. That, you know what I mean? It's, nah, nah. That's how I feel about Umar. Because I, I, I've actually seen Umar speak years ago. This one, I was I was still living in Philly. I saw Umar speak in like 2010. Deceptively told, by to, the way. Yeah, I was part of this youth program in like in 2010. Yeah. So at this time, I was like 17, 18, and Umar came and spoke to us, and everything he was saying, like because he was still on the come up, he couldn't be as extreme as he is now. He still had to hide some of those views, but everything he was saying, I was like, God damn, he's spitting! Like I was really, I was really with him. But then it's like, Until. Like you just said, I mean, um, finish the sentence until this nigga says some nonsense. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And that that should be the worst of all. But just to go back to that teaching shit real quick, I have a theory that everybody that had that job position that you had is you get that job from somebody looking out for you because they care for your well being. And this is what I mean by that. Before I got this job I'm at now, I mean, so I can get rid of some debt and get some shit going on. For years and years and years, I was just paying bills with like side jobs. So the the longer that people see that you don't have like an actual job, the more concerned that they get. But they try to camouflage that with like support. So it's like, yo, Rick, yo, what's going on? Oh, okay, where you at now? Okay, you still doing the entrepreneur thing? Okay, now I respect that. I respect that. But then, as years continued and they see that like. There was no progress coming of it. <laughs> it goes from, yo, we respect it to, yo, you ever thought about working for the railroad? Oh, yo, you ever thought about, you know, just for some quick money, you ever thought about just being a garbage man? You, How do you think about being a cop? And they start asking invasive questions like that. And with your job in particular, I got a story. So I'm in the crib, you know, being a champ, doing absolutely nothing at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, my homegirl, who's a teacher, she FaceTimes me. 
You know what I mean? She's like, yo, what you doing? I'm like, yo, I'm in the crib. She was like, you still in the house? I'm like, yeah, what's the problem? She's like, damn, it's like, I wish I could live that way. I'm like, all right, man, you you FaceTime me to hate on me? Like, what, what's going on here? So we're just going back and forth and shit like that. And she's a teacher. And she was like, yo, listen, I know that, um, I mean, money's a little slow right now. So if you want, I can get you a little position to where you just got to be like a teacher's aide. And you can just be the person off to the left, get paid a certain amount of money. You can get a few thousand in your pocket per week, and that gonna be some light shit. So you can still do your entrepreneur shit, but you can still get some money in your pocket at the same time. And because I feel like me and you look at life very similarly, were you in that same space, but you just took the job? Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it. I was um. <laughs> I fucking yeah, knew it. That's how. I, that's how I got into that whole field. I knew it. My nigga that traps. My nigga that traps was in that job, so I already know what's going on. Yeah, that's how I really got into it. Um, well, one when I got into schools, when I got into schools, I was looking for, I was looking for like just any way to move to New York. Honestly, I was looking for a way to move up here, and um, I was looking for jobs in my field. I was a, I was a marketing major, but I started comedy when I was in college, so I was so caught up in the comedy, I didn't do any internships or anything like that. I had no experience working in business so i would have just been lost i would have just been lost trying to figure this shit out so but one of my homies he worked at a school and he told me he was like yo bro my, my job hiring they need somebody so he kind of like connected the dots for me and that's how i got into it son it's always the same speech bro it didn't know what i was walking into Never. at all but ended up loving it ended up actually i mean well you naturally I'm working with kids, so even if you don't care about the job, you naturally, like, if you're a good OG, you naturally feel wrong seeing somebody go down the wrong path, and you can't help but want to correct them. So, it definitely did change my whole outlook, and, um, you know, I wanted to see those kids do well. How did you end up on that show with, um, with Kevin Hart? Oh, how did uh? So at the time, I'm working with um. This was like a whole full circle moment. So I got that show. You you know you know this guy named Spank Spank Horton. Um, uh, isn't he like a plastic cup nigga? Yeah. 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 He so good. Like he's like one of Kev's best friends, and he um and he opens for Kev on the road. So. This one, uh, I was still living in Philly, 2014. So Spank is headlining headlining at this club in Philly. And for me, when I see a comedian headlining at a club, I, I usually try to hang out there. I usually try to hang out there because I know it might lead to me getting a, a guest spot. I might be able to do five minutes on the show. So especially if it's a black comedian because they know how our come up is. So they might be more willing to give us time on the show. So I'll go there. I'm sitting around hanging out the whole weekend. The only comedian hanging out trying to get a guest spot. Um, so he, he lets me go up. I kill every show. So, and we kind of stayed in contact throughout the years. So fast forward to, I did those shows with him 2014. Now, fast forward to 2016. I'm living in New York. I'm working at the school, working at a school in Brooklyn. I'm at work one day. Spank hits me up. Yo, send me one of your videos. I want to see if I can get you on the showcase. So I sent him a video. I didn't really think anything about it. I just thought it might have been some audition or something going on in New York. And then I sent him the video. A week later, a producer from Comedy Central hit me up. Hey, Anthony, um, I'm putting together a list of comedians for this new Kevin Hart show coming out on Comedy Central, and we'd love for you to be on there. So, literally, I got that opportunity just from shows I did earlier, like shows I did years before, and not expecting anything out of it, just showing up, just being hungry. Then the opportunity came years later. Man, that shit is heartwarming, bro. You, did you get any opportunities after that? Like, did you see anything start to catch some momentum? 
Um, so after that, um, I kind of, so after that, like, so I taped that show in April, I taped that show in April, 2016, my episode dropped in like November, but when that episode dropped, I was going through a little situation. I had got fired from my job. Um, Culture. so I'm like, yeah, so, you know, and, and you know, being from New York, you know how expensive New York rent is. So, like, I'm up here broke trying to figure this shit out, trying to find any way to eat. And um, so then when that episode dropped, I had got the footage from it. Like, I had found the way to get the footage offline of my set. It's actually now on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that full episode is now on Tubi. But at the time, it wasn't on anything. And it wasn't, like, really promoted. It came on... It's a brand new show for a new comedian. So I think at the time it had came on like Sunday nights. Yeah. And you know, like nobody's watching TV. Like not to say nobody's watching TV, but you know, Sunday nights is really like the, the HBO slot. That's right. when people watching like, you know, The Last of Us or the, the Broadway, Broadwalk Empires, those type of shows. So HBO, really- HBO, football and porno. It's the only three things niggas yeah. get what niggas is watching. Niggas is not checking for no new comedians. And if they are, they, they looking online. It's like, if I'm looking to laugh, you know, at that time, people just looking at Twitter and Instagram. So my it wasn't really any visibility on the show. So what I did, I found a way to get a copy of my set, and I chopped up clips. And I put my clip, I put one of the clips on. First, I actually tried to put it on YouTube, but I, I didn't know the whole Viacom copyright. So as soon as the video got even like 40 views, as soon as it got like 40 or 50 views, YouTube immediately struck it down and took it offline. So I was like, you know what? I know where they can strike it down. I threw it up on Twitter. And I threw it up on Twitter. And that's what kind of started building my momentum as like gaining social media traction. And then, and then also a few months later, so I taped the show in April. Um, now fast forward to 2017, February 2017, I hear Kevin Hart is in town. So I'm still broke at the time, but I hear Kevin in town, and I know when all the big comedians in town, I know they go down to the comedy cellar. So I go to the comedy cellar, just just hoping to get some advice. And um, and Kev is there, but I'm I'm nervous to talk to him because he worked, like I said, like these guys, they work with so many people. It's kind of like the same thing with Bomani Jones. It's like these guys work with so many people. It's like, yeah, if we work together once, this nigga might not remember me or recognize me. It might, or it might just be Hollywood. He might not, he might be on some shit like, nigga, we ain't working right now. Like, go ahead. But, <laughs> right. But, but Kev saw me. And what was crazy is that when he was at this comedy cellar, this nigga had the cabs with him. Like, LeBron <laughs> was in there. Like, yeah, I'll never forget this because I think the Cavs, <laughs> I think they played the Knicks the next day. Yeah. So he, like, so so LeBron, Tristan, James Jones, I think Dante Jones, like, he had, like, some niggas in it. This would make me realize how big of a star Cav really is. Right. To have, like, these guys in there just to watch him work out his new stuff. So, um, so... He saw me, and he was like, immediately, he was like, yo, how you been? And he was like, yo, when I get off stage, I'm going to introduce you to everybody. And that was kind of my way into performing at the Comedy Cellar, which is, like, known as the top club in the world. So, to have, like, arguably the biggest comedian in the world, like, just helped me get in the top club. And this all came from me doing guest spots on Spank shows in 2014. Wow. Yeah. That shit is so crazy. Like, I never I never imagined any of this. Hell. Even, like, where I'm at now. Even where I'm at now. Like, I, I got into comedy just because my friends talked me into hosting a school talent show. Like, my goal was to just make my friends laugh. I never thought this would be something I could do full-time. No, I'm... And... Uh, well, I would have told you that you can do this shit full time because, and I really mean this, you are single-handedly the most coveted follow on Twitter that I have, son. Because I've never seen nobody master the art of going viral the way that you have, son. Well, how did you figure it out? How did you crack the code? 
Um, I've been, um, how did I figure it out? I kind of, I, I kind of had to figure out, like, what's a way I could reach people, reach people, but still kind of be myself. And that's a, that's kind of the challenge, because you kind of want to play on people's emotions, but at the same time, you don't want to lose who you are. So I know I could definitely get a bigger following if I wanted to just pander. Because I, I know a lot of people that do that. I know a lot of people that pander and build their followings off of... Um, I don't know. You could you could build a following anyway. You could say it's like some, like you could say some obvious shit. Yeah, you can have a you can have an alter ego. Like, black men need to protect black women. Right. It's like one of them niggas. It's common sense. Right. <laughs> it's common sense, but I see people do this not because they really they truly want to protect black women. They do it because it's an easy way to build their brand. Yeah, it's like these niggas that. Set up podcast mics and they do nothing but like berate men as men. Like, like, listen, nigga, if you broke, why are you going on dates? What you need to be focused on, like, nigga, shut the fuck up, bro. Right, yeah. That shit is is so, bro. That shit is so, it's so, it's so sickening to watch. It's so sickening to watch because I see, I, I even see like a lot of comedians do it as far as building their followings, talking about um, going that, like, both sides. Both sides of cancel culture. Both sides of cancel culture are like so annoying because you got the people that's going against it, and you got the people that's like, um, you got the people that's going against cancel culture, but then you got the people that's like, cancel. Oh, these old comedians need to change their ways, and it's just like both sides of the coins. Y'all both just doing this shit to just appease one side. Yeah. It's like y'all both annoying. Like the people so, that go super hard. Yeah, just like to go off of what you're saying. The people that's super, not to the left in regards to like politics, but the people that yeah. view things in this particular way because they're like, all right, if I subscribe to saying things like this, this can be my bag and this is how I can get people to follow right. me. Or, you know, yeah. let me just be anti this because I can get the anti crowd with me as opposed to just being yourself. Like, people view this shit as black, white, or gray when you can just be yourself. Right, and and that's the thing. People don't. People on both sides of the extreme point, they don't realize that their ideologies are are really similar. Their ideologies are so similar. It just depends on what side you lean to. That's a fact. It reminds me of um how people used to like go to war back in the day when they're like, you know, people's holding like the um the rifles and the cannons is coming towards them, but they viewed. Yeah. Like, the only way to fight is to, like, walk straight at each other. Like, there's no type of concept behind it. There's no type of strategy. It's like, you see your man's getting shot right next to you, and you still got to walk in a straight line with a wig and a big-ass coat. It's like, nigga, this is not the proper way to fight, son. What the fuck is niggas doing? Like, I mean, that's that's how I view people that do that shit, where they, like, all the way on this side or all the way on this side. Like, nigga, there's strategy to everything. You don't got to be the person walking without bending his leg walking directly towards a cannon like nigga this shit is some bullshit right yeah so for me like when i when i like go viral i still i just try to i try to be myself i try to be myself um but i also i know how to play on people like emotions to a point where like i know certain things people like so when it goes to going viral there's certain people that there's certain celebrities that people love to see sad or love to see down so it's kind of like when you use a, a a meme of lebron looking sad or you use a meme of drake looking sad so so two examples i could give you it's this one drake video you know that video where like drake was watching the um drake was watching the golden state game where clay tore his acl yep <laughs> and, yeah and, like, yeah drake, drake he looks at the camera and then like he starts faking and then like holds his knee like if you use something like that or that one meme where where i think kd got injured kd get yeah. injured and drake is looking and like puts his hands over his head and then just throws him down like just looking <laughs> stuff like that is like really good because people love to see these certain celebs um, emotional. So you put the right caption with that. Yeah, it's, it's off to the races after that. But I, I, I like doing like stuff like that because I could use those 
while still being myself. Whereas I know people, I know what's been topical. I say people, people were using shit like the Meg trial to build their followers, Meg and Tory, right? Or yeah, and it's just like. Obviously, we all know where, what's the right side to be on, but people, I've seen people lean both ways to build their followings, and it's just like some nasty work, man. Well, let me tell you something about you. I knew that you was destined for stardom for one particular tweet, and out of all your tweets that you've done, and all the videos that you've uploaded, and all the memes that you put cool captions on, there was one particular tweet that you did, and like you said before with the Kevin Hart situation you just clipped up probably you know probably a 30 minute set that you did this is just me estimating how long it was and the portion of your set that you clipped out was about uh judaism and how you had to how you had to help you know uh, a couple like turn on their tv and shit like that and you end up having to steal the tv and all that type of shit and i knew that you was going to um be a star when I saw Jewish people on your side, and I don't give a fuck what nobody yeah. says, Jewish people are on to something. If you get them niggas right. on your side, you're destined for greatness, bro. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know what's wild about that? It, it was crazy as who the Jewish love came from. So, I don't know if you saw. So, I put up that Jewish joke, and the person that retweeted that that made it really take off was Ben Shapiro. Hell yeah, the nigga that speaks mad fast like he has autism. I know exactly who you're talking about. Ben Shapiro. And it's like, we couldn't be more total opposites. I'm a nigga from West Philly. Um, My family, like, I'm not Muslim, but like my mom, my sisters. Um, You know, I've like, since I've been voting, I vote Democrat, everything. And I think Ben Shapiro is like a real big um, conservative real big conservative and just I forget what school he went to but I know he went to I, uh, Ivy League school like you said yeah he's like Jewish comes from like a a, a well-loved Jewish family so for him to embrace that joke and then all the other Jewish people start sharing that joke and I'll have people I I even do that joke sometime now it shows and Jewish people like yo that that joke has been so big on my on my WhatsApp chat, <laughs> or <laughs> which is like I was yeah, like wow it, that like older Jewish people are sharing my joke on WhatsApp because them niggas don't have a sense of humor. I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> so the fact that you so said they, something when they see that joke and they say like yo that joke was done well, I'm like like it just it just is different to know that. I had this whole group of people that come from this total different walk of life embrace me and say, yo, this joke was done tasteful and it wasn't offensive. Because you know, I know how that I know how that particular group um, can just feel about certain jokes. Because I've seen people go, um, right, just like, just this tasteful, just done this tastefully. And I try not to, I try not to get mad. I try to like hear where people come from because I know I know for me I've heard jokes where where comedians have done jokes about black people and I'm like damn nigga like that's not no joke you're just saying how you really feel about us right nah I do try to be mindful about that too yeah can... ben, yo Ben <laughs> will like he he has about 5 million followers on Twitter like 5 million followers only follows like 300 people and I'm one of them. But he he followed you after that? Yeah, followed me, DM'd me. He was like, yo, that joke was like one of the best bits I've, I've ever heard. Like, if you need any help, like, with anything in your career, just let me know. Did you let him know? Nigga, I'm about to cut you off. Did you let him know? We, we trying to get clicking out here, baby. What the fuck you mean? Like, like yeah, he tried to, um, like, he tried to help me, like, get, with, get an agent. Like, he really... Was not expecting that help to come from him at all. I mean, hell yeah. If you can tap in with Ben Shapiro and he can use that cool white man shit that he got going on to bestow some of that cool, that cool white man shit on you so we can get shit clicking, then right. that's exactly what needs to happen. And, you know, so I can 
I can hear it, and I'm pretty sure my listenership can hear it that you're from Philly and all that. And I was in Philly not too long ago, and I just happened to be in a spot called, if I'm not mistaken, Blue Martini. Your boy was your boy was in blue martini, you understand? Drinking tequila and pineapple, and I get there, niggas charging twenty at the door. I'm like, all right, this is looking light in here, but I mean, this is not the night to be cheap. I'm I'm in the building, fuck it. So fucked around, got a drink, and I mean, it's about like eleven o'clock. It's a little light in there, so I'm like, all right, I'm just listening to some music. I was with some people doing my own thing. I want to say at twelve fifteen, I didn't even know that Philly had like a beautiful woman community i'm just i'm just gonna be real with you i just when i think of philly i'm not thinking of attractive women boy some some bitches came up in that spot i'm like what the fuck is going on in here and it's philly philly women are definitely um philly philly women we got some beautiful women it's just that them niggas so damn tough it's like and I, I got in trouble with this before. I got in trouble with the internet before because I see, like, Philly women are some of the toughest men I know. <laughs> and, and they were mad at me on the internet. Like, I had, you know, feminists getting mad at me. Oh, that's the problem. You trying to mess. Like, you, you, you. What the, what the fuck did they say? Let me tell you, man. It, it, Philly women so masculine. And it's like, I'm not even saying that they mess like they're, that they're manly. It's just that. I've talked to Philly women, like I've dated Philly women. The the woman that I'm with now, she's not from Philly, but I've dated. Good, good choice. Women. And it's like you gotta come at them with some type of aggressiveness, like <laughs> like a, a Philly woman. Like the conversation to start off with, the fuck you looking at, and that's love at first sight. Nah, that's a fact. Well, for starters, you know, we'll show you that you re- that you with now. You know, good choice for her not being from Philly. That's one. Two. When I think of uh, I like, to, I like to wake up with my wallet. You See? feel me? Like too, I when I think of Philly women, I think that they have that type of grit that they can be like union leaders and shit like that. I'm not thinking of actual attractiveness or just being, you know, this like the soft life shit that's going on on social media right now, like the soft life women, like you're not you're not finding no soft life nothing in Philly. No, no, these are the women that like when when men had to go to war in the 40s these are the women that was holding the factories down. Let me tell you something. These are the women, when they're going into delis, they're not getting their sandwich cut in half. They're eating that shit the whole way. No cuts in nothing. They, yeah, they, they cutting that shit in half with their hand. With their hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're not it's even like, tearing it apart. Like, God damn, bitch, how did you just break that long roll <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with, with your bare hand? Poppy had to use a knife to slice that. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? And it's and when they're cutting it with their hand, it's with that same laser precision as Poppy with the knife. But yeah. You know what I mean? But so on my end, you know, um I've been I don't know if you remember, but when um when we initially met and you was telling me about your comedic journey, I was like, yo, I legitimately feel like I can go on stage and do like five minutes. And you was like, yo, five minutes is a long time. I know with you never doing that shit before, you, you might feel that way. But you don't know what it's like to say two jokes and nobody's laughing and you're 30 seconds in. It's a it's a totally different situation, right? So always always um kept that in mind. So now last year I was given the opportunity to be a part of this um improv show. And uh yeah, the improv show is called Dysfunctional Date. It's essentially the dating version of Wildin' Out. You know, we come up with scenarios and shit and you know, a lot of the uh shows are sold out and you know, at first when I got there, I've never done improv a day in my life. And, you know, I, I I very quickly became one of the prime people that was on, you know, the bill or whatever. Because we do the show once a month. And then there was a situation to where we did like this competitive thing where we set shit up in teams. And the people who got the most laughs, you know, ended up winning the night. It was called this fun fest. And I ended up winning MVP. They gave me like this trophy and shit like that. Fucking um, there's another time where there was something else we did competitively, and I had to create the team my myself, and my team won. And then, uh, in my notes app, you know, I have like these little one-liners. I'm like, alright, if I was to hypothetically be a fucking stand-up comedian, I think this would be funny. So I have like I've compiled the amount of confidence it takes to be on stage. 
I feel like I compiled terrible jokes to start with. What do I got to do just to get that extra umph to get on stage and fucking see what I'm made of? Um, well, now I kind of, I kind of feel different. Like before, before I used to, um, I don't want to say push people away from getting on stage, but now I, I really try to help them if they want to, if they even have that thought of wanting to get on stage, I, I, I embrace it. I embrace it. And I tell people like, yo, all you need starting out is just that five minutes. Before I probably, I probably would have said five minutes was a long time, but I don't know. It might have just came out of a place of, of jadedness. Because my views on just things have just changed so much. I remember when I first started out. Who was you dating? Who was you dating when you first started out? Huh? Wait, say that again? Who were you dating when you first started out? Um, I was dating, this was when I first started out, I was dating my, my ex in Philly. And now your thoughts have changed, and you're dating who now? <laughs> I'm dating somebody <laughs> from Virginia. <laughs> I said it's a correlation, brother man. <laughs> but continue, but continue, continue. Out, yeah, when I started out, I used to watch, you know, like how these internet comedians, they get into comedy, and they have big followings. Yeah. And so, like, they'll sell out shows. And I used to I used to feel a way about that. Or even when somebody like T.I., when T.I. got into comedy, I saw a lot of comedians hating on him. Oh, that's not right that he could just walk into sold-out shows. He could just have sold-out shows, and he didn't have to put the work in. And I'm like, in comedy, everything has a way of working himself out. If he's good, he'll last. If he's not good, he won't last. So I look at it the same way now. If you want to do comedy, if you have that urge to do comedy, welcome come on and if you love it you'll stick around and if you don't love it and you find out it's not for you then it'll work yourself out right but you shouldn't hate on somebody just because they have a following or don't have a following anything like if somebody got that urge try it out all you need is five minutes all you need is five minutes starting out because you're not you're not going to be getting booked to do a half hour or an hour your first time around so it's just like do that five minutes. Try to make it unique and personal to you. Um, you want to be comfortable up there. You want it to be something you like, um, something that you're proud of. So um, the only way to figure it out is just by doing it. Um, just because you know with comedy, it's no, it's no um, edit button. It's not like the videos or skits. The only way you can find out is something funny. Like because I, I had plenty of things that I thought the shit was funny. I thought it was funny when I wrote it down, and then when I got up there, I was like, "Yeah, this is actually terrible." <laughs> and that's where I'm at. I feel like I have a, a notes app filled with like terrible shit that's not gonna get a fucking response, and I'm scared shitless because of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And on some uh, on some other shit, when you was talking about Ti, I can understand being a comedian that's hating because I'm just gonna tell you, as somebody that's never gotten on stage, and thought of a joke and had to perform it to a crowd before if i'm in the audience and ti is performing and then his set isn't working and he if he was to literally say man fuck this shit put that beat on and start fucking performing 24s i'm in gibbs <laughs> <laughs> head comedians don't got that shit in their back pocket you think if ti ti can start performing rubber band man mid-set and i would not say a word <laughs> type shit but yeah i'm sitting here trying to get this confidence to do this shit and you know i sit there and I, i'm over here rehearsing jokes and shit and even with the things i've written down i've tried to utilize that shit in the improv way and in certain ways and i've seen that it elicited the response that i wanted so i'm like man i feel like i'm getting closer and closer and even you know the stand-up comedians that do the improv show with me they're like yo reek you got what it takes i'm not gonna lie like you have that command and at one point, I'm I'm still like, get the fuck out of here. You niggas are, y'all comedians at the end of the day. So what would be funnier than to hype somebody up and watch them fucking bomb their face off on stage and use that shit as you said, like, yeah, there was this one nigga, you thought he was Mr. Hotshot until he, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then. Uh, I yeah, I don't really, how do I feel? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't like to watch comedians bomb. 
Because, I mean, I definitely do. Like, when comedians, <laughs> when other comedians bomb and the crowd not laughing, the laughs that's usually coming in the room is from the other comedian. Right. So, I love to see a good bomb from somebody that's just not humble or think that they the shit. Right. I do, I do enjoy that. Or I love a good bomb when, um, sometimes it's not a bomb because the... Because of the comedian just isn't funny. It just might be, they might just be working on something. Right. So I, I do appreciate that too. When I see a comedian working on something and then have the confidence to sit in a bomb. Because now I'm at that point where if I'm bombing and I know it's not me, I might tell the crowd that they're terrible. <laughs> like I've, I've definitely done that where it was a show going on and I know, I knew like, no. Nah, these jokes actually work. It's y'all niggas. Right. And I, I've, I've told the crowd before, I'm like, look, I'm sure y'all are a great group of people individually, but don't try <laughs> ever, don't ever come to a comedy show together. Because y'all niggas are terrible. <laughs> and, but and I'm like, because I've, I've had that happen, I had it happen recently where, and usually, I try not to blame the crowd if I'm like if I'm up first. If I'm in the middle of the lineup and it's just like they they just got a bunch of different styles of comedians and they just didn't give it up for nobody, at that point I'll say they're terrible. But if I'm the first comedian on the show and they didn't like me, I'm kinda in my head, I'm like, damn, was it me? So I had that happen where I was the first comedian and they weren't really giving it up and I was like, damn, it must be me. But then later in the day, I heard they were just terrible for everybody. So that made me feel a, a whole lot better. Just side question that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I would guess that your nickname is Ant, right? Yeah. Okay. So when you're introducing yourself to women, how do you introduce? How do you introduce yourself to them? You know, um, before you was taken and shit like that. Yeah, I, I say um, I say Anthony. Yeah. All right, but okay. And the reason why I'm asking is because you know my my name is Tariq, but you know I'm I'm Reek because the thing about being named Tariq is there's like 700 ways to pronounce my name, and everybody gets it wrong. Or even worse, I'll say my name is Tariq, and then niggas will go on and tell me the pronunciation that they remember. So like, yo, what's up? My name is Tariq. Oh, fucking. Oh, yo, Tyreek was good. Or Tyreek was good. Like, my nigga, I just told you my name two minutes ago, and now you're putting your own remix on it. You didn't get my consent to do this. So a lot of times when I'm introducing myself to women, I'm like, yo, what's up? My name is Reek, right? And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so follow me. I've yeah. I've deduced that the women that be like, well, what did your mom call you? And they're, like, they're super stern on calling you by your government name are not dope to be around. And the women that roll with the punches are mad cool to be around. Even if there was like those like I'm not one of your little friends kind of women or yo, I want if I want your first and last name women or the I'm not calling you no reek. That's what your homies call you. I'm gonna call you like those women, it's like you, they just end up not being dope. That, do you do you agree with me on this? Yeah, no, no, I feel you on that. Like if I tell you no, I definitely get that. Like, I have no problem with a girl, like, with, with a woman calling me a nickname. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, if I give you, so I'm I'm with you. If you tell somebody to call you Reek and they don't, and they go against that, it's like, why are you being difficult? Right. Why are you being asshole? It's like, this is what I want to be called. Right. And it's it's not some shit like I'm, I'm ashamed of my name or I fucking, I, I have like this secret life or I'm just Mr. Mysterious. It's like, Reek is just, is just easier for the both of us. But when you start, so when so once I tell you my name is Reek, and then you just go off the deep end, and you just start calling me whatever you want, it's whatever. Now the one thing, cause I did this as a litmus test, I I put that shit on Twitter. I was like, yo, any woman that won't call you a nickname, it's like, oh man, you're one of these bitches. Oh, yeah. no, no, I saw that. You saw that tweet? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean. I saw so I mean, you see all these women like, yeah, it depends on your nickname. Well, you know, I'm not. If you're 37 years old, I'm not calling you killer and sniping all this. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, why not? Why can't I be killer at 37? That's all that. And that's what kind of like annoys me about the internet sometimes. Where, because, you know, I got I got a little following. So I have people 
I'll have people on the internet that if I didn't have that following, or if I said that same shit in in person, they would just pay no mind to it. They would just scroll past it and keep it moving. But when you got a little following, or or they see somebody already said something in the quotes, they'll pile on for the sake of just arguing. For the sake people, that's that's the kind of the gift and the curse of the quote tweets. With quote tweets, you have some people that um that that want to just see stuff in the quotes, but then you have people that just argue for the sake of adding on, hoping they go viral. Right. Like they'll take your viral tweet and then they'll quote tweet it so they can go viral off of it. Yeah. Yeah, and all, all that shit is whack. Like, all, all the things that I've seen about like people being around me and the way people speak and the ideologies of how they do things. I've I've able I've been able to implement this like this this filtering system, like, okay, you do this, you do this, we're probably not gonna mesh as people. You do this and you do this. I I think we're going to be just fine. It's kind of like um. The only the only the best way I can illustrate this is, have you ever been in a game night and there's a person that doesn't want to be involved in any of the games but they want to be at the game night? Yeah. That person is prevalent in more situations than you think. That's the person that wants your first name. That's the person that wanted to be a hall monitor. That's the person that wanted to be an RA in college. That's the person that won't let you cheat off the test. That's the person that, you know what I'm saying, that'll make you take them on 100 dates before they give you pussy. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just it's, it's just, it's just a safe fucking person, bro. And anytime I'm in a game night and I see the person like, no, I'm good. I'm not drinking. I'm not, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, the point of the game night is we're all in this room with no TV on and hopes to entertain each other. Why would you not want to be a part of the entertainment? And these are these are the people that heckle. These are the people that come to comedy shows to badmouth the comedian. These are the people that go to restaurants to give bad Yelp reviews. Like, oh, they, they, it's all the same person. I've come to find out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And especially in in New York, and you know, I've been in Philly a, a few times. I've been in D.C. I've been all over the place. And no matter what the accent, like the person on the inside is pretty much the same. When you're a bitch ass nigga, that's pretty much what I'm getting at. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean? you can have an LA accent, you can have a Floridian accent, you can have a Georgia accent. If you a bitch, you a bitch, and I fucking hate that shit though. What a with a passion. I deal with that shit now at work. I just deal with like these people, like this passive aggressive nonsense of people like talking sideways out the face, but they're doing it in like a professional manner, so they can just put you in the blender of saying something that could be uh something that could be perceived as disrespectful, but it's under. But it's under the guise of professionalism, and it's like, yo, if I saw you in any other aspect of life, my size 12 shoe would be in your mouth. But because we're here, and your name is Frank, because you're, we're here and your name is Frank, I need to operate in a certain way. All, all this shit is pissing me off, bro. That's that's really what I'm getting at. I, I'm pretty much using this interview to tell you the things that's pissing me off. <laughs> I mean, matter of fact, but that, that makes me think, though. You know, with you getting your following up, and with you being more visible... Are you coming across more people that are just out and out bitch ass niggas? Oh, for sure. Well, what is what is your outlook on bitch ass niggas and the behaviors that you see that they exhibit? Um, what uh, I got, I, I have a real short tolerance for it, um, especially like on the internet. Like me, I'm mindful of. With me, I'm the same person on the internet. I'm the same person on the internet that I am in person and on stage. And I feel like that's kind of a lost art where people on the internet, they're totally different people. People say shit to you on the internet that they wouldn't say in person because there's no threat of getting punched in the face. And we kind of do, we, we kind of need that. We need that threat of punching niggas in the face. I'm the, I'm the same person on the internet that I am in person because I have that I have to face that. I have to face my rep like my, my consequences of people because of what I do, because of what I do in comedy, I'm not hard to find. If I say something crazy to a person in New York, niggas could look up my schedule. Like one, I'm I'm not like I don't have my, my people with me. 
all my people, most of my people is in back in Philly. So if I say something crazy to a nigga in Brooklyn, they could look up my schedule and see, oh, this nigga is performing in Brooklyn or Manhattan tonight. So, or just anywhere. If I say something crazy to a nigga in Chicago or a nigga in D.C., they could look up my schedule. Oh, this nigga's going to be in the city this date. So that's why I'm big on keeping the same energy. And I wish niggas are like, I wish everybody had to kind of do the same thing. But I'm not even spoken about the populace. I'm, matter of fact, I am speaking about the populace. But I'm, but I am also speaking about, you know, a director, a producer, a fellow comedian, an actor. You know, people that are in that same realm that you're in, and people like, yo, you're by design. You should be a dope person, but you just aren't. Like, are you? Are you? As you're rising up in the ranks, are you seeing like people are getting like less and less dope? No, no, no. I guess as I rise. I'm real mindful of just who I interact with. I definitely am. Like I'm, I'm big on protecting my energy. I'm super big on protecting my energy. Like, and it's sad to say, I've um, as I've risen. I mean, it's actually been like kind of a relief that people have been cutting themselves off from me. People have been like, I've I've dealt with a few situations where people said some wild shit to me. And they were kind of knowing they were wrong. So we just kind of went our separate ways. So that's actually like been refreshing where it hurts. But at the same time, I don't need that dead weight around me anymore. Right. So there's this, so there's no producers giving you false promises or there's no directors that's being condescending towards you. There's no comedians that's looking at your set and be like, man, this, this nigga's not that funny. And I mean, that type no, of shit. It definitely is. It definitely is. It definitely is. But I try not to pay attention to it no more. I try to, like, I just try to feel more secure in where I'm at. Because I've had a situation where I got into it with a few comedians in Philly. Like, these were, like, my homies. And we got into it. And it just took me, I almost reverted back to the place of feeling like I was in Philly. Just being on some shit, like, what's up? Right. Like, we, we could handle this. Like, I was almost ready to fight. And I was mad at myself after the fact. I'm like... What am I doing? Yeah, it's like, I don't have to think like this. Like, I could just let go. I could just let go. And you know what, actually, this is going to be the most random shit. So, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a I'm a big Ace Hood fan, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. So got you. I'm an Ace Hood fan, and I, I actually, I got into his music. On a random way, I got into his music randomly. Um, I was looking at workout videos. I was looking at workout videos online, and you know, like he's big into his fitness. So, and he had his music playing behind the fitness video. So I was like, "Oh, this shit actually kind of good." And then I was watching the interview, like where he was talking about his um his whole situation with DJ Khaled, him going his separate ways, and he was saying how he was mad about the situation. But he just started thinking about, like, every time he wanted to get mad and blow up, he just started thinking about, yo, what if I just handle this shit with love? And, like, so that's where I'm at now. Like, I just try to, like, protect my energy. I like, just handle, handle everything with love. So then when niggas do me wrong, they know it couldn't have been me. Like, when they think about it after the fact, they know, like, no, nah, they was the one tripping. Right. Like, the same way how Jamiroquai is a group, is a group, in the same way, like Sade, which I didn't know, is a group. Did you know that? Like Sade is a group. Yeah, yeah. I was actually just talking to my homie about that. Where, yeah, that's actually the name of the band. Her name is Helen. Exactly. So when I thought of We the Best, I thought of DJ Khaled and Ace Hood. It was like a two type of situation. And I saw that very same interview when he was talking about how they disbanded, and I'm like, yo, this. The music industry is fucking callous and cruel, bro. Like, how how you gonna do that to Ace Hood, bro? Right. And he, he still releases music, like, now? Like, that's he's actually releasing music yeah. as we speak? Yeah, he actually just released one not too long ago. All right, I gotta tap yeah. into that. Because the way, the, the way I view Ace Hood, it's like... I view Ace Hood like I view French Montana. Like, I'm aware that they exist, and if... Their music comes on, I'll listen to it, but I'm not actively searching for the new Ace Hood or the new French Montana. 
what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, which, like, I definitely did. Like, I went to an Ace Hood concert in October. Another another random thing. I went to an Ace Hood concert, and um, this past October, I mean, it was a small crowd. Yeah. It was a small crowd, but but everybody that was there really fucked with him. And which was, like, cool to see because, you know, you have some concerts now. I mean, you got some concerts that, like, you know, they sell out and they're big, but people aren't really there for the artists. People are there because... To, to be in the building. Like, the other shit. They want to get an outfit off or shit. They, 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 they there because they know the bitch is there or they there because they looking to start some shit. Where that Ace Hood show, I went there by myself. It was and there was a bunch of niggas by themselves, and we was all just in there talking. Like we ended up becoming cool, just talking about, yo, I started fucking with this. I started fucking with Ace Hood because this song hit me at this point in my life. Or niggas were just in there sharing stories, and I got to chop it up with Ace after the show, and I got to tell him, yo, I started listening to you because this song got me through this. So that was dope. Yeah, like listening to Ace Hood are like those are niggas that listen to like Sampha. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like if you're there to if you're going to a Sampha concert, you're going there by yourself because it's like you are you amongst all your friends is the only person that's listening to this type of person. You know what I mean? So if you're going to an Ace Hood concert, like all y'all niggas have like the common goal, like, yo, we are all here for the same reason. Like niggas you fuck with Ace Hood too? It's like it's like the Spider Man meme. Like nigga, you too? Like it's it's more than just me. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah! But you know, just to close things off, is there anything that we need to be looking up as far as your career? Is there anything on YouTube that you feel like could spike in views, or do you have something else coming up? Are you are you be are you about to be like a part of a show? Are you about to be in like season three of Abbott Elementary? Like what what's on the horizon? Actually, that, that's honestly, that's the goal. I do want to get on Abbott. Like, just because, like, Quincy, that's the homie. And I would love to um, love to work with, like, some of my friends. So that is, like, that is a goal. You know Quinta? But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually got cool. We got cool from, um, how do we get cool? I actually did one of, I did one of her first stand-up shows. So I got cool with Quinta. You know she's from Philly. She's from West Philly also. Okay. So when she when she blew up off that he got money video, she did a um she did a stand up show and they were looking for like just a local comedian to open the show, and at that time I was kind of buzzing in the city, so they added me to the show, killed it, and we just stayed in contact. So I stayed in contact with like her, um, a few of her siblings. So yeah, Quincy, that's the homie. Yeah, I can I can definitely see you. Because you'll be the only person on the show with the Philly accent. So that's one. Right. Yeah. It, it, and <laughs> it's funny you say that because you know that the person that plays the principal on the show, um, her, her character name is um Ava. Yeah. But, the, but her name, like the comedian, Janelle James. Janelle was out here a few months ago and we performed at the Comedy Cellar. And so Janelle, she went on stage... Um, had a good set. Then I went on stage after Janelle. And then when I came off stage, Janelle was like, damn, that's what a Philly accent sound like. <laughs> exactly. Now, man, you, you know what's um yeah. pretty unique about Janelle James? Yeah. Did you know you cannot Google her age right now? Wow. You If you went on Google, yeah, yeah, try it. Like, I try, because I'm like, yo, this shorty got, uh, what was the term? She She's serving body? I'm like, yo, shorty is serving somebody. You know what I'm saying? What, what, what's going on here? You know what I mean? So I, I Googled it. And I'm like, ah, right, she, just for me being black for as long as I've been black, I I take it that she's over 40 because I know what a 40-year-old black woman looks like. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm trying to Google it, and there's nowhere you can find it. Like, you can go on page three of Google. It's nowhere to be found. And I find that to be so fascinating. Damn, did not know that at all. You know what I'm saying? So it's very possible that you was on stage with a vampire and you had no idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, just as far as, you know, outside of you getting on app because we're about to speak that shit into existence, is there anything else on the horizon that the listenership should look forward to? Um, 
I don't know. Just um, find me on all social media platforms at all that and more. I'm actually I'm actually working on um my own podcast coming soon. My own podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna start dropping episodes probably within the next few weeks. Actually, um, I've been working on that. I've been um just taking my time because I I I recorded a few episodes, but I want to make sure the first few episodes like really hit. So. So be on the lookout. So just follow me on all social media platforms at all that and more. And my my shit should be dropping soon. You you know if you need a guest, I'm here. I'm on deck. Oh no, no definitely, definitely gotta have you on there. I mean, and do you have any um YouTube content that anybody can look at so they can see how funny you are? Um yeah yeah I got a, I got a few things I got a few things uh, up there on um on YouTube. What do they put on in the search bar so they can look for you specifically? Um. What should they look for? Just type in anything. Anthony Moore Comedian. Anthony, type in Anthony Moore Comedian. Uh, all my shit will pop up. All right, all right, all right. Well, everybody, that's Anthony Moore, the world-renowned comedian, the yeah. the West Philadelphian, born and raised, but nobody ever put him in the fucking, on the basketball court. Nobody ever <laughs> fucking did fucking circles with this nigga on somebody's shoulders. Now, I mean, he came up as a stand-up individual. He never moved to Bel Air. He lives in Jersey with his dog. Respect his fucking gangster. You know what I'm saying? Peace and blessings. Pass the dressing. And I'll speak to y'all niggas on Monday.